Everybody's so quiet and well-behaved and not goofing off. Saw Rich goofing off over here. You know, he doesn't know this is like a spiritual time of just we should be somber, you know, and, uh, you know, that's just how you do it in church on Sunday, right? I mean, this is a sad time of our week, you know, (laughs) isn't it funny, though? I think what David said is so important is we the world and our culture, even the kind of the good things in our culture, try to make us conform to that. And, and there is this way that we do our Sunday gathering that we feel like, wow, there's a specific way that it has to be done. And generally, depending on what your background is, my background, I grew up going to Catholic church. And so you walked in. Now, here's, well, here's what I will say. Um, what I learned growing up was, man, there was just an amazing amount of reverence. Yeah. Man, you walk into a Catholic church and it's silent and there's, you know, just statues and it's just like this reverence, like God is here. Okay, but wow, I remember getting into a lot of trouble, you know, because me and my brother would sit next to my mom in church and we would kind of giggle and laugh and goof off. And that's weird. You, you would never think we would do that, you know. And, and, and you would get in trouble. You're like, quiet, you know. And what was funny, you know what was really crazy about that too is that there was never a time like everyone was in church. This is, how, this is the fear that was, that was put into you as a Catholic. Like children and everybody would be in church and you would never hear a peep. Not one, because it was like every family taught their kids, God does not want you happy in church. God does not want you making noise in church. God, quiet down in front of God, okay? And so, uh, so anyway, it is one of those things where hopefully um, we fight being kind of conformed into something. It's okay to talk in church. It's okay to have fun in church. If you want to raise your hands, everybody doesn't like raising their hands, but some people do. And, and you can get down on your knees and pray and you can do it. Is, there is the freedom to do that. And so um, let's continue to like challenge what the culture is telling us. And you know, oftentimes it's just, it's kind of what's in our head and we feel like, you know, so um, we don't have to come here and and, uh, and be super quiet and somber and all that kind of stuff. And it can be a lot of fun. And, and, and maybe it's not even somber. Uh, we just got back from camp and I'm tired and I have a cold. And, and you know, when you have a cold and it's like my right nostril and my right tear duct is like just like going. I'm like, how does that work in my brain? Like, it, 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 you know, it's just like one side of my face is just like has a cold and the other side is fine. Okay. Um, but um, so anyway, um, yeah, we got to work in the kitchen. Uh, it, it Swamp Camp Kitchen will never be the same after this week because Ben was there and, and me and Abby and uh, a couple other fun folks um, got to work in the kitchen. and It was a lot of fun. Be praying for the Galbraith family too as Ben's grandfather passed away yesterday morning. And, and, uh, and, and there's a whole lot to that. And, you know, uh, I don't know if you guys know this. I mean, uh, many of you do know the Galbraiths when they come and visit. Um, so uh, Ben's parents take care of... Um, before his grandfather passed away, his grandfather and his great-grandmother, they give them, Ben's parents give them 24-hour care in their home on top of working, on top of raising two teenagers. Um, And if you know the Galbraiths, you're like, wow, that's amazing because you would never know that talking to them. I mean, they're amazingly faithful people, but please pray for them um, uh, this week. Um, And then in the coming weeks, actually, Ben's great-grandmother will be turning 100 in the, in the coming weeks. So that's really cool. That's exciting. And um, so anyway, 
Um, we're done. We finished Ephesians. We finished our series of the life that God built us to live. And so we're going to take the next uh, three or four weeks, and we don't necessarily have a series we're going to go through, but we are going to talk about something today that's a little bit different if you'll turn in your Bible to Luke chapter 19. Okay, so Luke chapter 19. You know, everyone knows the story. You've read the story of Zacchaeus. It's one of my favorite stories. It's one of my favorite interactions. I would love, you know, there's, there's, there's lots of different parts of the Gospels we read, we read about that I think, and you probably do as well. And it'd be neat to be there when it happened, like your feet on the ground. Because sometimes, we, you know, you tell a story, and it's so different when you're there, like absorbing everything, right? And you would think it would be so neat uh, to be here, and you see this happening um, and the reality of Zacchaeus in this story, so uh, the thing we always remember about Zacchaeus was what? What, what do you always remember about Zacchaeus? Yeah, he's a little guy, right? <laughs> exactly. Uh, but you have Zacchaeus. Uh, he was a wee little man, right? And uh, <laughs> you finally made the Bible, and that's what people know about you. <laughs> he did really great things. But, uh, um, but you have Zacchaeus, but you think if you're in the town in Jericho, I mean, Zacchaeus was a tax collector, and, um, and, and one of his jobs and how he made his money as a tax collector um, was that he would take the taxes from you uh, that he needed to pass on, okay, that, that, uh, that, that the government took, but he made his money by adding to that tax. Okay, so you could, would you love that job in the church? Let's say, uh, let's say uh, you know, Rich came up to you and he said, okay, well, uh, I'm going to take your governmental taxes and the, it's 10%, so give me 10%, but then I charge another 15% for me. And he has the full authority of the government to do that. How would you feel about Rich? You know, you, he comes to your door, you're like, okay, great. This is, we don't like him. He's been swindling us. And this is Zacchaeus. He's been cheating the people and swindling the people. And can you imagine if Jesus came into the town and you're standing there and you're going, wow, there's a lot of people that have needs here in this town, right? Um, and then of all the people Jesus paid attention to, it's the swindler in town. And he's like, I'm going to your house. I mean, would, would you be tempted in any way, shape, or form to get a little bit of a bad attitude, maybe even about Jesus? Yeah. Like Jesus, he's the one that's been oppressing us. He's been cheating us. Like, we have needs, and you're going to talk to him, right? This is the reality of what happened. And so Zacchaeus gets up there, but here's what I love right here in verse 8. Zacchaeus says this, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay them back four times the amount. All right, it's that wording right there. Look, Lord, here and now. This is going to change. I'm not settling any longer for the life that I was living. I'm not settling for that. And he probably lived a life where he was probably pretty well off. A pretty comfortable life, comparatively speaking, to the rest of the community. And he, and he drew a line in the sand. And there was that, that interaction he had with Jesus that he was like, I will no longer settle for life away from this man. 
And here and now, this will change. Here and now. And so that's, that, that, that got me thinking about our lives and how easy it is to settle. It, it, to settle for Christianity or settle for a life following Jesus that is less than what he called us to. It, it's less than. It's, it's very similar to what David said. Is, is it's easy, and, and these things creep in, right? It's easy to settle for a Christianity that just sings songs but never lives them. It's easy to settle for a Christianity that comes and agrees. I think what David was even talking about is the, the conviction of agreement. <laughs> I'm convicted that we will agree with Jesus instead of a conviction to be transformed into Jesus and to minister the way he ministered. And it's so simple. And you know what? It will happen to all of us in here. And it may happen seasonally. It may, we come out of it and then go back into it. And we've got to be alert. Uh, but there are a few things I thought um, that we, we must refuse to settle for as followers of Jesus, okay? One of them is this. Turn over to Matthew chapter 14, okay? Here's the thing. We, we really need to, and this is where, you know, this is, this is where we've got to take this and really make some decisions. Kind of that idea of Zacchaeus. Okay, here and now, this is going to change in my life. Here and now, this is going to change. Is in Matthew 14, you know the story, verse 22, uh, right here, um, Peter, you know, Peter walks on water. Uh, you see Jesus coming to him. Peter is like, that looks awesome. Of, of all the guys, of all the faithful apostles in the boat, he says, that looks really cool. Tell me to come to you on the water. Okay, and he did, and you know that he did that, and he walked, and, we, and, and unfortunately, I think we spend so much time like doubting the, the poor guy, but he doubted, right? And we, we can focus on that, uh, but the thing about it is he walked first, <laughs> you know? But we've, we must refuse to, to, to accept a faith that has become free of water walking. Does that make sense? Like, it's easy to settle for Christianity that, that doesn't allow water walking. It's just kind of safe. It's not dangerous. We've got to refuse to settle for that, meaning that we've got to have this and expect that Jesus is calling us into a life that we should expect to walk on water. That doesn't mean Peter didn't walk on water every single day of his life. All right. But he it was clear to Peter, you can tell me to do that and I can do it. And I'm going to take that step out of there. OK, and so we have to refuse. That's really important. And it's so unique to every one of us. Like we're going to need some a thought process uh, to begin this afternoon, to begin tomorrow and start thinking, what will that step be from the boat to the water? OK. Now, now here's what I'm going to talk to you guys about a little bit is, is we may have like not taken that step for so long that that step is more elementary than we're, than we're wanting it to be. Okay. Meaning um, that little step might be like, okay, I'm going to start talking to people in public. Yeah. 
does that make sense? Like, have you ever done Isn't it easy to just start, you're in public and you don't talk to anyone? Okay, and I'm not talking about like, hey, will you come to church? Will you come? But it's like you, we've stopped like interacting with people. Like when we go to Publix, we just kind of walk by people and we don't have, we think it's weird that we would, and as Christians, that can never, we, we've, if we're going to be the salt of the, we've got to interact and we've got to maximize our time in the world. So maybe something like, okay, I'm actually going to start. I remember when we were in South Florida, one of the things that Sam brought up, he said, listen, here's what I want you guys to do is just everyone you see, smile at them and greet them. And, and then you realize how little we do that. Yeah. How little we actually stop and acknowledge human beings around us. All right. And it's amazing the number of, the, the number of times that things pop up and, oh, man, they, people and you see needs. Yeah. And, and, and it's so funny how people respond differently when, we're, when we are proactive in this. And that's just like this little thing. And you may be thinking in your life, dude, Keith, that is so like kindergarten faith. And it might be, you may be going, man, what I need to do to step out is to quit my job and to do something totally different with my life, okay? The, the goal here isn't for us to figure out what everybody's step is. The goal is, is that for me and you, what's our step going to be? Like, what will it be to step out of the boat and, and plant our foot on the water? And, and we're, we're this idea of going, okay, Jesus, I know I can walk on this water if you want me. And tell me to come out here and do this. Okay. So that's one of the things we've got to think, wow, what will it be? Um, and, and it's so, there, there could be in, in 50 people, 50 different things what are what are some things you think of what, what are some things that that you can think of and it doesn't have to be your step but what are some steps that you think of that would be like walking on water yeah I remember uh hearing a sermon Richard Holloway did he was talking about some uh, church in Africa about they, a lot of people couldn't have kids and one of the guys got up in front of the church and he said, hey, I'm going to have twins. And uh, they, they weren't pregnant yet. Wife was right. there like, right. and, uh, <laughs> Hello. Yeah. And then he went out and bought two cribs. Yeah. And they did have two twins. Yeah. You know, yeah. Just that alone is like, that's a huge step to, to take. Right. And, and here's the thing is, is you want to know what? Again, this is like all of us having to wrestle with this. Like if you go, that's what I'm going to do. Okay, that's not your thing, okay? And, and, and don't let yourself go to a place where you're going, well, you know, so, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to go and build a garage for a Corvette. Uh, you know, because, but the thing, why I'm saying that is because here's the thing is if it's not yours, then it, then it won't matter. It'll sound great, Okay. But if it's not yours, this is a connection with Jesus. Remember, that was first and foremost. This is what wasn't Peter being arbitrary. And going, hey, you know it would be great walk on water. I'm just going to go walk on water. Jesus helped me walk on water. It's like, no, he connected with Jesus. And in some way, shape, or form, he's like, I can do this. This is what I need to do. And so that's the, that's the important is to go, wow, that was amazing. Now, that was his thing, right? But it's important to know, but if we're not connected with Jesus, we'll do arbitrary things. We'll do arbitrary, like, okay, I don't want it to rain today, so I'm not going to bring my umbrella out. 
God, don't make it rain. You'll just be wet all day. Okay? <laughs> so that it's got to be ours. But that's a great thing. Okay? That's a great illustration. What are some other things? Yeah. Much more Ooh. Oh man, isn't that the truth? <laughs> it, yes. And I, I think that's one thing for me. I let maybe when things didn't go quite how I thought they would with my mom. Yeah. So now I'm scared with my dad or my sister. Right. Like kind of go there. Yes. And here's the deal is, is Allison, what you're sharing is we're all, there's something and you know that's the thing, right? Like, you know, deep inside, that's what Jesus is saying. No, walk on that water. Okay, and every one of us has that thing right now where we're going, okay, what, what is it? Is it it's, it's not the baby thing, it's not, the, but it's that thing where you're going, oh gosh, this is this would be so scary to do this. And, and you want to know what? It's going me and Jesus are going to maybe have to wrestle this out too, right? Yeah. One thing I really like about what you're saying, you know, there's a scripture that talks about a man of God avoids all extremes, right? You know, my tendency is to be right. like, hey, I gotta do yes. something erratic right. here. And I think, right. well, the, the cross was pretty extreme. Yes, it was. But that was just the next logical step for Jesus. That's exactly right. He had right. done everything yes, else. That's that was exactly just the right. next thing. Yeah. I'm not there yet. Right. You know, that's not the next step for me. I'm way back in right. kindergarten, like you said. Yeah. I feel like the next, the thing that came to mind, um, and I think about this truthfully all the time, because there's this buddy of mine, I will invite random people to right. church. Sure. And I, it's right. kind of fun, actually. Yeah. It's kind of exciting. Um, it gets my heart racing, and sometimes the spirit will be like, "Go talk to that people." Like, I don't want to. This, I don't have time for it. And I'll just be like, right. "Okay, all right, I'm gonna do it." And it's actually fun. Um, but there's a one of my best friends that I he and I used to coach cross country together. He lives in Clemson. He works at Clemson. He's a psychiatrist at the the, the center here, and he and I will go on long runs and we talk about everything. And he's actually been to church before here, but for me, he's. He's like one of these kind of guys, kind of very believe everything. I'm not sure exactly what he believes. Yeah. But to really have a conversation that asks him, what do you really believe? I like talking to him about my faith. For some reason, that is very, like, that gets, it's scary to me. Yeah. That is like, right. Uh, right. I get scared thinking about having that conversation. Because I'm almost afraid to put the relationship on the line. Right. Um, or it's just scary territory. It's a little bit easier with somebody who, who I don't have as much history with. Right. And I, I don't know. There's something about it, just like you were talking right. about with family. There's something about it for me that's very scary. But I also know God has put me in this guy's life for a reason. And we've been through things. I've prayed with him before. And it, but there's something I there's a place I haven't gone with him that I need to go right and so these are the things is we've got to be connected it may be here's the other thing it might be somebody that you need to reconcile with it might be somebody you know man I hurt them and I need to go I've got to I've got to talk to them I've tried to forget about it for a long time but I've got that I need to do that all right and so these are not easy things. But what we're talking about is this idea of the heart of Zacchaeus, this idea of going, okay, we will not settle for a faith that doesn't allow water walking. And, and you want to know what? The, the thing about it is it's not that water walking ever gets unscary, right? But it gets to be one of those things where it's just like, but, but what we're connected to is the power of Jesus, 
of trusting him, of knowing, okay, you may call me out to do this when I'm most uncertain, but I trust you. All right, so it's going to draw us, draw us closer to Jesus. Refusing to settle. Now, follow me on this one. We must refuse to settle for just having less sin rather than hating sin. Yeah. Does that make sense? I, that's wordy right there. But we settle sometimes for just having less sin instead of hating sin. Do you see the difference? Yeah. Right. One is... I agree sin is bad, but I'm okay with a little bit of it. The other is I, I see it for what it is. And I hate that because sin's ultimate goal is death, dysfunction, to, to break apart relationships, to break apart family, to break apart. And it's that idea of sometimes we forget to hate sin. Do you remember in the Bible where the evolution of sin is. Do you remember where that is? Who writes about that? James, right? And he says it starts out and it's just this this little desire. But sin's goal, did, did you know that? Have you ever thought that sin's goal is to grow and to become more complex? So when I don't repent and stop and, and draw the line in the sand, the sin will will grow, okay? And here's, here's a vivid illustration in our society today, okay? Is we had a, a, a man, there was a, a, a guy up in Tallahassee who was a professor at a college, and um, his daughter actually had come out and visited a few things in the teen group, really great guy. I mean, just a, a, your generally good guy, and he was arrested for child pornography, yeah. for, for trading it and for... for file sharing and all of these things and we're just like wow how did you get to that place all right and we're seeing that more and more there was a brother when we were in south florida that was arrested same thing song leader okay and and you're just like how did you get to that place you don't look like one of those guys but what happened is is you want to know what sin grows when we keep a little bit of it in, the, the purpose of sin is to grow and become more just grotesque and more infiltrate. And so when we don't stop it, yeah. okay, but here's the thing is, is we've got to refuse to settle. Now, here's the thing is, is, is as you've grown, many of you in here have been disciples for a long time, okay? Sin starts looking differently over the years. Okay, at first it was like the physical sin, the emotional sin. You know, it's all the big, you know, sins that you talk about and, and lying and all that kind of stuff. But then as you get older, uh, sin kind of morphs a little bit, right? And it starts looking like things that don't look as bad, right? It just doesn't look as bad. Like, like you know, I mean, uh, for me, it's one of those things where it's that idea of, do you ever feel, do you know what bitterness feels like in your heart? Like that, that feeling in my heart, and, and it's like, as I've gotten older, one of the dangerous things is there's a disconnect with that and sin, right? And knowing that, no, no, that's meant to grow and to harden your heart further and to make you more sensitive to people and overly sensitive and, and, and prideful and all these things. And we start disconnecting certain things with sin, right? 
Can you think of some other ones that you think of, man, as you get older, it's, it's like there's a disconnect? Like selfishness, kind of saying no. Right. Yeah. Okay. It can, there could, like a self-absorption, maybe. Yeah. I um, I said this this morning. Proverbs eighteen. An unfriendly man. Yeah. Pursues selfish ends. And I feel like, like as I get older, the more my tendency is to be less friendly. And I see it in my family. Men don't become more and more friendly the older they get. Right. I was even in the hospital the other day, and there's this. Older man at the in the surgery thing just ranting at these volunteers. Right. I was like, right. Oh my gosh, this is so just the being unfriendly. Yeah. Is yeah, absolutely. Not being kind. Yeah. Not being friendly. Not being loving. Yeah. Um, I think criticalness. Yeah. Is, I think our world. It's we're so immersed in it constantly around us there's always like that's what you look for is where something's gone wrong or mm-hmm. someone said something the wrong way or things like that um mm-hmm. but then i i see that already even in myself of just that slowly creep in and it yeah. seems because it's so immersive in everything around us it seems like it can be okay and i don't see it as sin mm-hmm. initially yeah. yeah um and then when i go back to jesus in his heart it's like okay yeah. that is not right to have in my heart my mind absolutely so there, there is the critical and that and and you know what as you get older that becomes very like um that's a tough one because sometimes we feel like if i'm i'm gonna not be critical so therefore i'm gonna accept everything isn't that more difficult? Because it does. It gets you're kind of like, hold on, I don't want to criticize that. I don't want to be critical. I don't want to be critical. And and really, it's what we're what we're changing is learning how can I not be for something like it's it's more of a positive. The idea of no, I'm going to be for this rather than against this. Critical is like here's what I'm against. Jesus is like no, here's what you should be for. Okay, and so that is that is very murky. That gets difficult. Yeah, David. focusing on uh, what you're against rather than uh, yeah. what you're for. Because uh, yeah. it's just like uh, even just trying to hate uh, certain uh, sins may lead to hating people who absolutely uh, uh, such as a uh, homosexual. Yeah, uh, right. Like a whole bunch of stuff uh, hate against homosexuals. Yeah, right. And, and, and all of a sudden we're learning that, wow, okay, Hating sin doesn't equal hating people. I mean, this is, these are mature thoughts that we have to wrestle with and, and not settle for. And really, that's the next one is we can't settle. We cannot settle for a faith that doesn't express itself in love. That's Galatians 5.6. That's in the Bible. That's not like a made-up point. Okay, Galatians 5.6. The only thing that matters, Paul said, is faith expressing itself in love. That's all that matters. So we can, we can be water walkers. We can hate sin. We can have all of those things. But if we settle for a faith that is not, think about this word, expressed in love. Okay, that means that it's, that's what people see. It can't be like, well, no, I know you don't think we love uh, but that's because you don't know the Bible and, and, you know, we're just like that because, you, you know, you, no, no, no. The world should see the expression of love. 
Okay, we cannot settle for anything less than that. All right, everyone, and I'm going to say this over and over and over again, anyone that walks in your home, your place of work, in this building on Sunday, at a midweek, in your family group, in your house church, don't, if, if they leave and you haven't talked to them, we aren't a mega church if you haven't figured that out yet, okay? It's not like, there's so many people. How can I talk to everybody, okay? Listen, if, if, if we aren't that proactive in warmly, like, bringing people in and, it, and, and they're feeling welcomed and loved, and then, then we aren't living a faith expressed in love.